This is episode 10 with Nisha Moodley. Hello loves, welcome to the Rise Collective. I'm Phoenix, a holistic business strategist, brand visionary, and intuitive guide. In this podcast, we'll be exploring how to create a thriving, sustainable business by doing the work that lights up your soul. Each episode is filled with practical and spiritual tools to support you through the ups, downs, and tumultuous turns of creating a successful business. I believe we're all here to rise. This podcast is soul medicine for your unique path. Hello, my loves. How are your hearts out there? I'm currently sitting in my office. The sun is warming my face. Red-tailed hawks are circling outside my window. And I'm feeling so grateful for this moment, this precious moment to connect with you and offer up this beautiful conversation. I've been soaking up the deliciousness of human connection even if it's only virtual right now, and what unfolds within a space of mystery. And what I mean by that is that I've let go of needing a podcast conversation plan, which I think is the opposite of a conversation, right? And embraced the magic of allowing, allowing a conversation to go where it wants to go. And this conversation was so potent. It spoke to my heart, and I hope it speaks to yours. I'm honored to have Nisha Moodley on the podcast. Nisha is an integrative leadership coach, the founder of Global Sisterhood Day, and the host of the Devotion Podcast. She's been walking with women for 12 years, facilitating annual mastermind groups, several online courses, and nearly 50 retreats. I had the pleasure of working with Nisha one-on-one last year, and it was truly amazing to receive that support during a time of immense transition in my life and in my work. Though in relation to this year, I'm realizing that that now feels like a walk in the park. But at the time, I was yearning for the unique magic that Nisha brings to her work. Intuition, deep listening, reflection, spiritual tools, and really the ability to connect the big vision of my work with how I was showing up. It was so beautiful to receive that from Nisha, and I feel so fortunate and grateful that I was able to invest in myself in that way. So that's just a little bit of background. And now Nisha is on the podcast. And in this winding conversation, we explored staying grounded amidst these times. I'm always curious to hear what tools and practices others are bringing into their lives at this time listening to your business and allowing it to unfold the power of gathering together in community. And Nisha shares what happened when she brought people together in her work versus the one-on-one model. 
The idea of the soul of our businesses, and I love this perspective. It's been a big shift for me to understand and really bring into the way that I run my business. So I'm so excited for you to explore this with us. Being extractional versus being in right relationship with our work and focusing on relationship first and strategy second. Surrendering to our unique path and just allowing it to unfurl in the messy and magic and chaos and beauty of what that can be. And a powerful ritual you can try out and explore that Nisha shares with us at the end. And we talked about many more things as conversations go, but that is the quick version. I hope you enjoy. Let's dive in. Wow, how the times have shifted since the last time we connected. I mean, feels like it was a small lifetime ago. (laughs) It really does. It really does. It feels like years. Ah, Well, thank you so much for being here. I just feel so honored. I adore you. I'm so happy to be here. Mm. Looking forward to chatting and connecting. Mm, I'm so happy you're here. This is such a joy to connect with you. And I just admire the way that you move through the world so much. So thank you. And I'd love to, you know, before we dive in, begin with a question. And in this moment, I am curious to hear what tools or practices you're calling upon to stay grounded during these wild times? <laughs> oh my gosh. All of them. What All do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a tall order these days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is you know, for each of us, of course, it's we're living inside of a, a, a moment of time that we're sharing collectively, but then also compounded or kind of colored by whatever is happening for us individually. So, you know, seven months into a global pandemic, mm-hmm. election year, mm-hmm. nearing the election, it's mm-hmm. giving me some of the sort of, uh, ugh, ugh, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> memories of bad dreams sort of thing yeah. from the 2016 <laughs> election when I was eight months pregnant and, wow. you know, so many of, so many of us were kind of watching in horror these mm. debates happening and, and I'm sort of having sort of echoes of those, of those moments this year, yeah. but then certainly compounded by the fact that we're, we're in a pandemic and we don't know you know, there was a period where it was like two weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks. And now it's just like, buckle up, folks. We have nothing mm. for you. You know, mm. there's there's no, there's nothing really reliable. It feels like for me anyways, um, reliable information to lean on about what's next and mm. what's after that. So 
feels like both an ungrounding time, but also in some ways this like deeper surrender into the mystery for me. So anyways, all of that. And uh, my family is about to undertake, I haven't told you this yet, but my family is about to undertake a move. You are. Oh, and so curious. You've been to my house and you know how much I love it and how attached I am Mm -hmm. to, and I say that like, yep, I am attached, attached Mm. to this house. (laughs) I love this land Mm -hmm. and we're heading north to Canada. Wow. So, you know, we're, we're still figuring all the steps out. All I know is that we're called mm. and we're going to quarantine with my mom for a couple of weeks, which is what we have to do. And then TBD. I have no idea wow. what happens after that. And it's all happening uh. very quickly. So it's, you know, everything that's happening in the collective, obviously most of which I haven't even named and probably a lot of which I have no idea about. And then also just personally, we're in this moment of big family upheaval and literally the ground beneath us is shifting. Hmm. So what am I doing to stay grounded? Um, (laughs) A lot of crying, Mm. a lot of crying. And a lot of noticing where I want to spiral or like, oh no, it's, it's terrible and I'm never going to get out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sort of had this distinction, like there's a difference between pain and drama and not mm-hmm. all pain has to be dramatized. So basically I'm noticing where I want to kind of go into the drama of it. It's never going to happen. It's too much. It's you know, all of the things and just instead staying with the purity really of the intensity and often the grief and Mm -hmm. the very primal fear of like, I'm uprooting my little family, which includes my three-year-old and we don't know where we're landing. And there's something very like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Um, And so another thing that's been really grounding is connecting with my way back well, kind and loving ancestors to find out who remembers how to migrate by choice. Mm, Um, I just got chills. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this a lot, like, oh, you know, most of us probably have nomadic ancestors. I mean, if we go back far enough, I'm sure we all do because we're all related (laughs) in one human family, but but we probably all have ancestors who were nomadic. Mm. And when land ownership started happening and then all the land is owned, you can't be nomadic because where can you go? Mm-hmm. There's so a lot of nomadic peoples obviously have had, you know, genocides and been essentially exterminated or forced into um, or have had to adapt into a more kind of um, stationary mm-hmm. uh, way of life. And so I've been really working to connect with those way back, well, kind and loving ancestors who remember to mm-hmm. say, teach me, show me how to pack up, you know, home and move when the wind calls and trust that we'll land on our feet and then land and create beauty where we are and create home where we are and be willing to pick up and move with our knowing and land and make beauty and do it as many times mm. as we need to. And I think that as I've been feeling that for myself, I'm recognizing that that might be a reality for a lot of people 
especially over time with climate change. So that has been yeah. very grounding and also just conversations with friends, <laughs> SOS texts <laughs> with friends and um, snuggles with my family mm-hmm. and, you know, just cozy creature things. Yeah, definitely. Mm, wow. You spoke to so many things that resonated as we are planning a move and we've only... <laughs> oh, you are. Yes. So many of us. So many of us. So I think what you were, what I sense, what you were speaking to, I think there are so many that are moving during this time and uprooting and you know, trusting. We know we're going to move and we have no idea where. Oh, you too. Um, Which is just so, yeah, all of the things you were speaking to. And yeah, I'm just curious how many people are out there, you know, in that place of, can I really let go? Can I soften my grasp and take this leap trusting that, that I'll land and be held? Oh, it's, it's big. Yeah. And it's a it's such a privilege to be able to do it by choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I keep saying to myself, like, you know, we're we're the lucky ones. We're lucky. Mm-hmm. This is very lucky. It feels intense. Like everybody complains about moving because it's hard and <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and you know, but it's a privilege. And I live in a place that has what we call fire season, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, we've normalized it, or at least I've normalized it. Like, oh, it's fire season. And then I forget how wild that is and sounds until I talk to somebody who doesn't live in a place with fire season. And then it, fire season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I guess that's, I guess that's, it's, it is intense actually now that you mention it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, anything can really burn at any point. And we just kind of accept that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's intense. It's intense. And I have, you know, friends that have been displaced this year. Mm. Fortunately, not none of my friends, fortunately, have been displaced permanently by the fires. But um, actually, that's not true. I know somebody who lost their home. But mm. yeah, oh, that is just, it's so rough. Mm. And so I just keep also, I mean, this is another thing that's feeling very grounding is remembering. Yeah. Also I'm lucky. I'm lucky to get to choose. It's a privilege to have choice Mm. as challenging as it is, as stressful as it is, as logistically complex and financially weighty as Mm -hmm. these these choices can be, it's still a choice for us. So, Mm. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that. Absolutely. I feel that too. It's, you know, I have moved in my twenties, you know, losing in, in a more fleeing type of scenario, you know, losing, I lived in Lake Tahoe and, you know, worked for nonprofits and my partner and I lost our jobs and we couldn't find a place to live. And we were staying in a friend's vacation rental. And it was like, we have to move, you know, and those, that feels very different than this moment where we are like, you know, this isn't our place and we're choosing to explore another. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful to recognize that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you you for sharing too. Mm. Yeah. We'll have to keep in touch. (laughs) We need, you know, this is another thing is like, 
there is a lot of movement right now. People have lost jobs. They're finding new jobs. And people are pivoting in their work, moving mm-hmm. home. And there's something about maintaining connections with people that we know, mm-hmm. even as we go, that does feel really nourishing, can feel really nourishing and grounding too. Mm, absolutely. Well, I would love to dive into your story. I love hearing people's stories and really, you know, centered around the work that you're doing in the world and not to go super deep into it, but maybe those kind of pivotal moments in your life that's led you deeper into your soul's work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how you've shaped a business out of something that feels deeply aligned with how you're showing up in the world and your own inner truth. Mm. Ooh, okay. I'm trying to reel in my <laughs> Gemini brain. It's like, oh, I have a story for you. How much time do you have? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I know. Two, I was thinking that this morning. I was like, two Geminis on a podcast. <laughs> Projector, projector, Gemini. We'll tell you the past, present, and future, and you won't know which one is which, but it'll be a great story. Well, I started my business 12, 13 years Mm. ago, 13 years ago, special number, 13 years ago. And when I started my business, the focus of my work was around compulsive eating, binge eating what I called at the time, emotional eating. Mm. And I really focused my work on uh, working with women around that. And the core of the work uh, sort of presupposed that the issue was not the food. You know, maybe there were issues with quality, which are also connected with issues of access and lifestyle. But really the presupposition and what I discovered every time to be largely true was that the bulk of the issue, if you will, was that there was something that the food was like a hole that the food was filling and something that the, some sort of emotions that the food was tamping down or suppressing or filling up or kind of soothing, you know, covering over. And if we could explore what was really going on for these women underneath the the surface of their like success and their mm-hmm. well, all the boxes that they were checking in their lives to really see what was happening underneath and what hole was the f- food filling mm-hmm. or what emotions was the food tamping down then and we could sort of face what was there and be in the lushness of that space mm-hmm. and really you know, weave our way towards a greater sense of wholeness, then the food could be a place for deep pleasure, for deep connection and communion with the earth and life and deep nourishment and not a tool of suppression. Hmm. And so it really was like an embodied liberation work that we were doing, although I wouldn't have used those words at the time. And what I discovered is that pretty much all the time, as we were going deeper in the work, there was a deeper sense for these women of like, okay, what am I here for? Like these deeper questions of what am I really here for? What is the work that, I, that I'm really called to? What is the legacy that I really want to leave? You know, what am I deeply passionate about? 
And so their leadership was kind of just naturally lighting up from this sort of embodied liberation work that we were doing. And so I got really excited about leadership Mm -hmm. and started sort of shifting focus in that direction. And then having, you know, working with food and embodiment and and all the other pieces that have kind of gotten woven in like community over time as sort of foundational pillars of supporting us and stepping into our leadership and standing in our leadership and expanding our leadership. And so that's a big piece of it. And and a big piece of my work is really community. Mm. And because I've worked largely with women, we call it sisterhood, but whatever floats anyone's boat doesn't really matter. The word doesn't <laughs> matter to me so much as the essence of what it, what it is. And the way that that came about for me and the big shifting, pivotal shifting moment for me was two things happened. And this was in 2009, I think. So I've been running my business for a couple of years and I had a really good friend. Uh, her name is Kavita Patel. And she's like one of those friends that just gets in there. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I don't care if you're annoyed with me. I, I'm going to <laughs> borrow my way into, you know, your heart and really sweet, you know. And she, I was really struggling in my marriage at the time. And she was like, how are you doing? And I'd give her like the weather report answer. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, things are challenging, but we're, we're loving each other through it. And, you know. <laughs> and she was like, okay, but Harry, what's really going on? And so I'd go a little bit deeper and then she'd be like, yeah, I feel like you're not really telling me what you're really feeling. And she'd, she'd just go until I was real with her. And kind of laid it all out on the line. And and I was experiencing like this deep movement happening in my life from being more and more open. Mm. And at the same time in my business, I had kind of scaled my business that I had a good solid one-on-one client roster and was basically like, I can't take more one-on-one clients. So why don't I create a group program? This is like a smart way to be able to serve more people, people that maybe can't invest in the one-on-one, it doesn't make sense for them, or I just don't have any room. So I started my first group program, sort of thinking that the big benefit of the group program is that you could do the same work, but for less money. Mm -hmm. And what really blew me away is that the people in the group program were having even more progress. Like there was more... um, the transformation seemed to be faster and more deeply rooted. Mm, I was like, what is going on here? Because we didn't have a framework that was like accountability, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) we're only counting 12. I don't know. I'm going to know what calorie counting looks like. So I have no idea what (laughs) there there, there wasn't like this accountability framework. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's not it. I don't think that's the thing. But what I realized is the thing is that we're together, people are sharing, people are being real. And there's something about like shame not having a chance to fester Mm. because it's just out in the open. And, And we look around and the people, we've said the thing and everybody's still there. And they still respect us. I love that you said that. They still honor us. And we survived being real about what's really going on. And 
that kind of those two things, like what was happening in my personal life, and then that clued me in that this was a big thing, that community was a big part of our liberation and our leadership. So that was kind of like the kaboom, you know, for Mm -hmm. me with my business, just really having all of that come together in like the late 2000s. And You know, since then, I think like the biggest shift in my business has just been becoming a mom and Mm -hmm. developing my core soul of leadership, which really like I've been doing all this work all of these years and sort of the the healer side of me was kind of a little bit closeted, like it was Mm -hmm. woven into the work, but maybe not everybody noticed it. And you know, I was the kid that when I was 12 years old babysitting, I would then use my babysitting money at the metaphysical bookstore. <laughs> it was literally called the metaphysical bookstore to buy angel cards. Mm-hmm. And I was just like a spirit geek mm-hmm. kid. <laughs> and my best friend's mom was a Reiki master. Mm. And so we... I got my level one Reiki training when I was 14 years old, which was a beautiful blessing. And so, you know, working with energy and sort of sensing and reading and perceiving energy and kind of opening up, like I think that we're aware of some people have like a really exceptional sense of taste, a really exceptional sense of smell, you know, a a real, an eye for things. But I don't think it's definitely not as widely accepted or understood or even conceived of that these other senses, you know, clairaudience, clairsentience, clairvoyance, like that, that we also have a special skill Mm -hmm. in those senses as well, that some of us have different senses. I would, I would, I'm, I would wager, I can't wait for science to like prove the Mm -hmm. thing that we already know that, but I would wager that everyone has those channels open to varying degrees and has special abilities Mm -hmm. with certain ones. And so at a really young age to have, and as a girl at a really young age, to have those channels more opened, to have me exploring, you know, what I could see, but not with my eyes. And, you know, how information came to me in, I don't know how to, what words to use, but you know, what are all the different ways that information comes to me? Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful and really empowering. And I kind of put it away for a while when I was in my teenage years and early twenties, mm. but then it really started to come back in my kind of early mid twenties. And that has woven much more deeply into my work. And I think that really connecting with people's businesses and with people on a deeper soul level and understanding the relationship that we have with our work, the animist relationship that we each have with our work, that our business isn't just like a money machine. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship. And like the relationship I have with my child, it's not just about making him into a doctor. (laughs) You know, it's about being with this being, learning them and nurturing them and also getting the F out of the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) of their becoming. Mm. 
and I have a relationship with my business and I have a relationship with people's business or, or creations in general that is very much like that. What is this creation here to become? And I really credit my, my mentor, my longtime mentor, Hiro Boga, for really drawing that connection for me in a way that as soon as I saw the connection, everything clicked. Mm. Like, of course. I love that you brought that up. I had that written mm. down that I really love what you share, that perspective. And so I love that you're just tuning in <laughs> and going there. I just, that was so unique in our work together, you know, exploring the soul of my business just in that way. I think we're so connected with our businesses and our identity becomes that we become very attached. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, a reason why pivoting or transitioning or allowing your business to really evolve and change, which it sounds like you've done so beautifully of listening so I don't know if there's anything else you want to speak to that. I know it so intimately. Yeah. Well, I think that a couple of things. I mean, one, we're, we're almost all, maybe everyone listening, conditioned in these transactional, extractive ways of relating. You know, I put in X and I should get out Y. Now that I'm in a relationship with this person, they are going to clean the kitchen the way that I want them to. They are going to rub my feet every day at six o'clock. They are going to always know what mood I'm in and why and exactly how to help me. When I write a newsletter, I will make $10,000 every time easily without, you know. So these sort of transactional ways of relating you know, I do something and I'm owed something back mm -hmm. instead of relational, like turning towards our partners, turning towards our children, turning towards our businesses, like, hello, <laughs> here is what I need. What do you need? Mm -hmm. How are you today? How can I support you? Here's what I'm really praying for. You know, what is needed here? And when a partner like a romantic partner is going through a hard time and we need to lean on someone else for support, we ought to do that, right? But in the business, if a business is having a hard time, which a lot of people's businesses are right now because of COVID, but if a person's business is having a hard time and we need to lean on, you know, getting a consulting client or doing a day job or doing a gig or something, it's like there's shame and the business mm -hmm. is bad and it's a dysfunctional and it's not working, but yet if our partner, you know, if we were in a really compassionate space and our partner was going through a hard time because of whatever in their lives, we wouldn't necessarily be like, you're a dysfunctional human, mm. you know, or there's something broken about you, or I should just quit this relationship unless it was unhealthy, you know? Mm. So just this, like a deeper way of relating, I feel like is, is the invitation yeah. with relating to our businesses and all of our creations as breathing beings that are not us, like my child is not me. I think the child analogy is great. I'm not the mother of my business, but I think it's a great analogy. Mm -hmm. My child is not me. He is not shaped in my image. He is, I'm not here to mold him into what I want him to be. And in a way, he's not even an extension of me. I am responsible for him and I am responsible to him, 
in the same way that I am responsible for and to my business, but it's not me. Mm. So if something's going on with my business, it doesn't have to mean that I'm a bad person or I'm I'm a screw up because my business is going through a hard time. There, there's some degree of like devotion to and responsibility for, but also understanding like I am not that. It is not me that I think allows us to show up for it in a different way, relate to it in a different way, and be much more agile, you know, much more agile and adaptable and willing to shape and shift and change as needed. Mm-hmm. Or as we're called, even. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that perspective. And I'm curious to hear as you heard about that, how did that show up for you in the way that you were running your business? Were there like tangible ways or was it just kind of a big aha? Like for me, it just feels sort of like this sigh of relief of, oh, and also like my own stories, my own work isn't so tied up in the business, you know, that sort of, I don't know if I'm speaking to it in the way that I want to, but yeah, there's so many threads to that, that, that come up for me around like the manifestation or sort of spiritual ideas or is this coming across? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think that to your point, there's so many different threads to it and there's so many different ways to look at this and explore it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that one of the big things is one of the big shifts for me has been letting go of the fantasy that I would have a set it and forget it business. Mm. Because if I'm really honest, it's not what I want. I don't feel a lot of aliveness in that. And also, and when I say I don't feel a lot of aliveness, it's like when I'm engaged with my work, I feel creative. I feel alive. I feel joyful. When I'm disengaged from my work, I feel like something's missing. Like there's no life in the work. Mm. It's a relationship. Mm. And so part of letting go of the fantasy of set it and forget it as my business, like I'll just build a business and then step away from it. That can be for some people. I'm not saying that it's bad or wrong or like a not great way to do things, but it's just not my way Mm -hmm. of doing things. And part of letting that go was letting go of this idea that I could really know right now what I will be doing in two years or a year. And I've had to really let myself surrender into, um, I love this Bruce Lee quote, a goal simply serves as something to aim at, Mm. (laughs) you know, that I have to be willing to, to burn things that I have to be willing to, it's like a garden, you know, you plant all the things and then you get wireworms in the carrots. So they have to get all, you know, (laughs) fed to the deer and this thing overgrew over here. And you realize you actually can't grow that again next year because it was way too labor intensive and took everything else over. Mm. And there's this little patch over here and you realize that 
it's giving you so much joy to see those little flowers blooming and you just wish that there was more space for them. And so, okay, next year we're going to move things around and create more space so we can have more of those beautiful flowers and we might feel different next year, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So to be able to still plan and still map out, because I love a map, I love a plan, (laughs) but hold it much more gently. Mm -hmm. And a tangible shift with that has been making that big plan and then sort of checking in quarterly and being like, how's that feeling? Mm. Is that still true? Is that still real? That's been a big shift for me. And another shift has been really writing down part of that, writing down all the things like that I've been secretly fantasizing about doing, mm-hmm. but haven't done because, Ooh, I you love know, that. whatever. It's impractical. It doesn't fit with the business model. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, first I'm going to do these practical things and mm-hmm. then maybe in five years I will do that thing. Like, the whole idea that I can defer the things that I'm deeply, deeply secretively pining to do because it's not part of the, you know, I've got to push it out to, you know, the fourth year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's true. I'm not saying that sometimes we sit with things and we're like, you know, now is really not the time. I'm not saying like we should throw everything away and just do all the things that we really want to do this year. Like go for it if that's what you're called to, to each their own. But but just really looking at like what what keeps getting put on the back burner so that I can do the practical things. Mm. And in kind of I would say like the meta of all of that, like the meta thing, the meta aspect of all of these things that I've been talking about has been shifting from identifying primarily as an entrepreneur mm. to identifying as a as a creator. Mm. And, you know, in the particular flavor of creatorship that I have, like as a as a witchy artist creator. You know, that's allowed me to feel and express in my own life and my heart and my body and in the world and in my on my website and in on my Instagram like more of my queerness in all ways, Mm. more of my uniqueness, more of my artistry, and Mm. help to kind of unbox this idea that I was going to follow in some sort of path that looks like, you know, insert famous internet female entrepreneur. (laughs) 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 You know, Um, like, oh, I've always known you're you, I'm me. Everybody has their own path. Like <laughs> these things that we all say, I like nod along to and have the quotes about, but it, I feel like it's that I'm uncovering that truth, like layers of an onion mm. and surrendering more into my path. And that part of my path is much more of a medicine woman path than a, you know, linear path to millionaire entrepreneur path. Mm. And those aren't even one path. Like there's no monolith in either of those things either. But just recognizing that my, my life and my work 
is much more about unfurling and unfolding and and walking in some sort of deep truth of the moment and allowing it to unfold and then planning (laughs) and creating because that's what I love to do, but also being willing to to reshape the plans as I go. Because Mm -hmm. again, the primary devotion is to walking in truth Mm -hmm. and walking in the truth of the moment and taking my medicine along the way. So it's been a really like profound shift to to go from you know trying to know as much about marketing conventional marketing as possible to trying to unlearn as much of that shit as mm. possible to be an artist mm. and you know and to be me and to yeah. do it my way and to get in relationship with the soul of my business and trust the co-creations and the creativity and the magic mm. And the beauty that can come (laughs) from being in this relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, which feels a little bit like going from, and I'm not knocking fully, knocking nonviolent communication, but it feels a little like going from, you know, within a romantic partnership, we're going to use this particular technique, Mm nonviolent communication, for example, in every conversation. That's Mm -hmm. the formula for the conversation, which can get us so far. But then I think there's a like, how do we go into the depths of intimacy together? Mm-hmm. How do we like dive in to each other's eyes and meet each other on a soul level and share the deep terror and grief and longing and yearning that exists there and be together? And that's a lot harder. it's a lot more intense than following a formula, a lot more intense because there's no, there's nothing to grab onto that gives us a sense of certainty. Mm. Whereas Mm. following like the formula is like, okay, well, hopefully if I'm just going to follow the formula, right. (laughs) You know, I should be able to like pull the lever at the end and a hundred thousand dollars will come out, you know, (laughs) or like if we can just follow this structure, like then, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it to our next anniversary. And there's something Mm -hmm. about going like, actually, I'm going to go into the intimacy of relationship with this person or this business. We're going to get intimate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bear my soul and all my, my fears and my longings and my terror. And I'm going to, and I'm going to dance with this soul Mm -hmm. and co-create together. That is so much more intimate. I find then I'm going to follow a plan Mm. that someone else gave me. And again, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, let's try this out. Mm. You know, let's try out this strategy. Let's try out this plan. I'm not anti-strategy. Like I said, I keep saying I love a plan. I love a map. Mm -hmm. But for me now, it's like soul first. Yeah. And, And if I feel like, oh, cool, this person holds some keys, some teachings around that, I'm going to follow this person's teachings and try that out if it, as long as it feels true. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I feel that is like such beautiful medicine in the world of business and this world of wanting templates or step-by-step processes or the plan and how we just all so desperately want to know 
And it's so, I mean, yes, of course I love strategies too. And it's really so unique to our path and what lights us up and our own expression and our desires. And I love the energetics of business and we're all so unique in our energy and how we move through the world. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's both. But, you know, what I've been sitting with lately is, and what came up for me as you were sharing that is really redefining or really exploring like what does success mean rather than this sort of end goal. But it's really exploring, like if that's showing up every day and writing and being in it and exploring and connecting and being with other humans, this time feels like this great unlearning in so many ways. And it really, I feel that it translates to business. Like what is this all for, you know? Right. And, and I think that any one of us can look around and really see that so much of the the challenges that we're facing in our world right now, which, I mean, we're talking about dire challenges. We're talking about flirting with our own extinction. Mm. I mean, this is, it doesn't, it doesn't get much more kind of high level complexity than that, <laughs> that we've, that we've essentially and mostly perhaps unwittingly architected our own demise. Yes. You know? Yes. And to reckon with that, I feel, is to reckon with the fact that we are not doing a good job being in relationship. Mm. We're not doing a good job as a species. I, I, I remember hearing Tom Chi speak at a dinner that we were at together Tom Chi is the founder of or the creator of Google Glass, mm. um, among other things. And Tom Chi was speaking and saying, we're the only species on the planet that isn't regenerative. Every other species on the planet leaves the 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 earth, the ecologies that they touch better than they found them. Mm. And used the example of an anteater. If an anteater is wandering hungry and finds an ant colony, they will not eat the whole colony, even if they are starving, because it's built in to them to leave some so that the colony can regenerate. Mm. Now, if only we had the same kind of intuitive restraint, right, as humans, so I think that we have to reckon with we're not doing a great job in relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, D minus <laughs> human. <laughs> and even if we feel as individuals like we're pretty good at relationship, I think assuming that we're actually not really as good as we think we are and we have a lot to learn, even those of us who think we're doing pretty good. Like, oh, my relationships are great. Okay, but still, mm-hmm. as a species – we suck yeah. at relationship <laughs> and we're extractive and we're, yeah. and we're conditioned to be extractive. And we also live inside of systems that make it really hard to not be, you yeah. know, I've seen like the people that are like, this is all my garbage for one year in a tiny Mason jar. Here's how you can do it too. And I'm like, Oh God, 
I'm failing that test. You know, <laughs> I'm trying over here to not get like the thing that has, you know, the seven layers of plastic, but like, it's hard. Cause you know, you need a can opener because your can opener broke and you go buy a can opener and it has the tie backs and the thing. And then it's in a plastic sleeve and it's like, Oh God. Okay. What are you going to do? Um, and then maybe it came in a box, you know, from a company named after the rainforest we're destroying. <laughs> and it, it's complex, right? But I think all of this to not catastrophize, but instead to say, as humans, we have to get that we suck at relationship and that we have to, all of us, really look at, am I in right relationship here? Am I in, is there any, are there any threads of dominance and submission hmm. or dominance or submission or transactionality or extraction. Hmm. And I would wager that every single one of us could look at all of our relationships and say yes to some degree about all of those relationships. In fairness, I mean, I look at my relation, even with my own child, you know, is there ever dominance? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Can I have compassion for myself? Yes. Is there some growing to do there? Totally. So I think this goes with business too. You know, with our businesses, with the people that we serve in our businesses, with the people who work with us in our businesses, you know, are there threads of dominant submission, extraction, like hierarchical relating? What, mm. where is that happening here? And to just believe that we have more to do and it's going to be a constant relearning because as a species, we have unlearned for so long the things that we really need to know to move in a regenerative way. Mm. And, you know, one of the most simple examples that I think of well, often when I think of this is I don't know without having been taught how to, you know, walk out into the woods and sniff around and know based on my nose and my eyes, which plants I can eat and which plants I can't and which plants will heal a cut. I just don't know without having been taught mm. where, you know, my dog will go sniff around and I can tell she's sniffing. Can I chew on this thing? Nope, not that thing. And then she'll sniff around until she finds the thing that she can chew on. Mm. And I'm like, she's just in her primal nature. You know, she's yeah. in relationship really with the earth in a way that I can learn from. Yeah. And so I think that's a big humbling for us. And it extends to business too. And again, I think yeah, we all get that it extends to, you know, team members and clients, but also in the ways that we're marketing. Yeah. Also in the way that we relate to our business itself. Are we in an extractive relationship with our business mm -hmm. or a dominant relationship with our business? We are stewards, but you know, pruning our business into the exact thing that we want to be, we might not have all the wisdom. Mm. <laughs> Relationship holds all of the wisdom. Mm. Yeah. And allowing the businesses to be sustainable, you know, where mm -hmm. it's really restoring our own energy. It's allowing us to continue in the work. Yeah. 
Mm. So much. We we need a lot of we humans. We need a lot. A big, huge dose of humble pie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in, in so many ways. In so, so many, many different ways. areas. Oh, yeah. thank you. Wow, wow. I feel like I could go on so many tangents. Um, I mean, in so many ways. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but we will wrap this up. This beautiful meandering conversation where you just shared so much that I resonated with and I'm sure so many others will in these times. Mm. And I'm curious to close with if you could give maybe new business owners or business owners who are doing a big pivot or a shift right now, because I know so many are going through that wisdom, like one piece of wisdom or advice from your journey, what would it be? Okay. It's, it's like one piece, but it's a process. <laughs> so first, I would have folks hold just this faith that just like you have an sort of an essence or a soul, an energetic imprint, so do I, that so does their business. Mm. And, you know, that they have the ability to trust also that they have the ability to connect with their business on that soul level, which might mean that they're feeling like colors or a sense or that they, you know, maybe uh, see like a, a personification, like a person that sort of symbolizes or represents their business. But I would invite everyone to really feel into and I know that might seem amorphous, but it could be a meditation or going for a walk or just writing, but feeling into this business on a soul level. Like what is the energy of the business? How does it feel when you feel into the vastness of it beyond, you know, the offerings or something like that, but the greater kind of energy that it holds? And then create an altar for it mm. that kind of honors what you felt or what, what you feel or what you see or what you sense about it. And for anyone who, who kind of tries to connect and just feels a lot of frustration or isn't able to feel a lot of connection, then you can also just trust yourself. Go for a walk outside. See if there's anything in nature that draws you to offer your business as an offering. Not to get anything in return, but just thank you for the opportunity to create with you. So create a little altar as an offering to the business, as an honoring of the business, and take a little time to sit with it every day, or at least once a week, but especially if it's a difficult time or a feel, there's a lot of feelings of disconnection or things are shifting, sit every day with that altar and just you know, breathe into your heart. And see if you can connect with your business and see like, where am I really feeling drawn? What is the big dream here? Like just really being open to what wisdom wants to come through as we commune with our business Hmm. and then starting to plan from that place starting to build and reshape and restructure from that place. I'm not saying that don't worry about numbers. I know that we have bills to pay and people to feed, and I totally understand all of that. It's just, you know, kind of first relationship. Mm. 
then we can use our clever minds to figure out what does that mean for, you know, our offerings and for money and so forth. And all of that can happen, but first relationship and then clarity with plans. Mm. Wow. I love that so much. I'm going to do that. Mm. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So where can we find you online? And do you have any projects or upcoming offers that you want to share? Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> well, my, <laughs> it's all coming. My website is my name, Nisha Moodley. Dot com. That's also my Instagram. Those are kind of the two places that I'm that I hang out the most. And I so appreciate you on Instagram. That was another oh. area that I was curious if we may dive into, but I was so open to where this went. But just mm-hmm. the way that you show up with such rawness and truth, I just yeah, I really appreciate it. So oh, check her, check Nisha out on Instagram. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I have um I have some things coming up in you know before the end of the year, which is exciting. Mm. Um so anybody who basically signs up uh on my website, you'll hear about it very soon, <laughs> very very soon. But you know, I have masterminds and um incubators and soul of leadership as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm excited personally, and I can't wait to see what you're cooking up. And oh, just wishing you so much love as you navigate this big move, this shift. And yeah. Thank you so much. Mm. Great Thank to be you. Here. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the details about this episode over at phoenixrose.co slash podcast. If you resonated with this conversation, pass it to a friend or subscribe. That would truly mean the world. Also, just a little invitation. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to join my newsletter community. It's a beautiful space that I show up twice a month with love notes filled with insights around running a soul-aligned business strategies, tangible practices, rituals, and so much more. It's another heart project for me, so I'd love to connect with you there. You can do so over at phoenixrose.co. Thank you to my podcast editor, Caitlin Brem, for working your magic on this episode. And thank you to Larissa Gosla for the beautiful background music. All right, so much love to you all out there. 